0: Hey, welcome to Father in Our Future, the podcast for dads. I'm Anthony Vandegrift, and I am not the perfect dad, but every day I am trying to be better. Now, about a month ago, I had the opportunity to be on with Rod Richard with the 4 Fit Fatherhood podcast, and I realized that we do not always deviate from the podcast that we subscribe to, but I felt that conversation was so good, that I wanted to make sure that you heard it. So today, I'm going to play that conversation for you. We have to have that open communication with our kids because when he comes home in 10 years and something really bad has happened, I don't want him to hide it from me. I want him to come to me so that I can help him. And I think, I think that's really important. When we're vulnerable and we're transparent, we're open with our kids, they reciprocate that back to us. And I think that's what we want as dads. If you're a dad who wants to embrace your God-given mission, make sure you subscribe to Fathering Our Future wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also get more content on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you want even more than that, then head over to www.fatheringourfuture.com.
1: If there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot that is required of you. It would, I would say that those are two of the most important roles that any man can have. And uh, Yes. And we're blessed to have them. Um, I'm a husband and a father, too. And I I, I don't take those roles lightly. You know, um, right. if I was just a construction worker or just a, a, a mailman or something like that, then that would be different. But husband and father, I think, are two roles that that have a, an ability to change the world um, or at least the world that's in our circle. And so those are those are huge things, man. I don't want you to, to downplay yeah. those at all, man.
0: Yeah, no, I'm not intending to downplay those. The way the way that I look at it is, you know, who I am is contingent upon who I identify to be. So I identify to be a Christian. I identify to be a husband, and I identify to be a father. So I think everything that falls underneath that just falls under those umbrellas. So first, you know, I'm a Christian. God's everything, and so underneath that, then it's a husband, and then it's a father. But all the other little things that I do, like the podcast or any business efforts or any side hobbies or whatever they might be they're going to fit back into this identity of you know am i pleasing god with the things that i do am i pleasing my wife with the things that i do am i pleasing and serving my kids with the things that i do so when i say like that's me in a nutshell it's just everything that i try to do i try to do it for those three identities that i that i claim to bear
1: yeah i like that i was looking at your website and i saw that uh you know being a dad is not what we are but it is who we are yes and uh i think i think that that's spot on right like when we say it like i'm a dad like it's a like it's a job right but it it is really it is really everything that you do um it is it is not just when your kids are around it is not just when you have to teach them or discipline them or provide for them it's literally everything you do at all times it is in essence you um and and so what you're saying there about you in a nutshell is it is it is it embodies everything that you are
0: right i think that's a good lesson yeah yeah i think it's a good lesson to catch and you know I, i think it's worth noting and i know you'll agree with this but just because we happen to do podcasts on fatherhood doesn't mean that we're anywhere close to being perfect dads and i didn't have as much as i have understood today understood when I started this thing. I didn't really know what my mission was when I started this. It's just, I'm going to start this podcast. And so you learn a lot along the way. And that was one of the big things that, that I picked up early is there were so many men when they talk about being a dad, they're just like, oh yeah, my kids are out of the house now. I get to close that chapter of my life. And I thought that seems a little odd. And so like the more I looked into it, and the more I talked to other people, the more I realized that you know once you're a dad, you're always a dad. It's it's literally an evolution that that we go through um, because it's a part of our identity. It's tied to who we are. You always and forever will function as a dad to your kids. I think even in extreme cases where fathers unfortunately lose their children to death in horrible circumstances like that, I mean, they're still this rallying champion of the son or the daughter that they had, and they, they carry that legacy on even though they never get to see it played out. But we, uh, you know, I, I talked I talked to uh, a guy I'm privileged to know. He's a PhD in family studies. He should have the podcast on fatherhood, but he doesn't. But I was talking to him and I asked him the question, you know, do you think that you ever get to close the chapter on being a dad? And he said, I don't think so. He said, you know, I'm in my 60s and there are lessons that my parents taught me that still echo on my mind on a regular basis when I'm confronting other situations. He said, so, you know, even from the grave, like dad is still being dad to me and mom is still being mom to me, those identities, you know, they hold on eternally. So I think it's really important to understand that and not view it as the job that you can step away from without any ramification. You can't just be like, here's my two-week notice. (laughs) I'm going to go do something else. Uh, And when they turn 18, you don't get to kick them out and say, I'm done. I'm retiring. That's not how it works. And I think it really helps us when we understand, you know, this, this is who I've become. And when you approach it from that perspective, it changes the game. And I think it's good to have that understanding.
1: Yeah, I 100 percent agree. You're right. I I agree with all of that, because even if you look at like if if I'm talking about my grandfather, who's no longer with us, I still he's still a father. Right. And I still think about the things that I got to do with him, the things that he taught me how to do and the, the time that I got to spend with him. And I share that with my daughters. They've never met him, never got an opportunity to, but they understand the relationship of of me and him and what he was and who he was. And so when I show them pictures, there's this this understanding of the man that he was. Um, and that is going to be forever, right? Because at some point they might tell their kids that their great-grandfather, their great-great-grandfather taught their dad how to make french fries. You know what I mean? Like these yeah. stories last forever. Um, and, and it's, it's not a small thing that, like you said, we could put in a two week notice and walk away from, um, because even if you do walk away, you're still, that title is still there, right? That, right. that walking away is still there that all, all the things that you do, as we said are already, um, it, you embody all of it and it embodies you. So yeah. as a father, you are a father forever. Once, right. once you cross that threshold, there's no going backwards. There's no, uh, like you said, turning 18 and now I don't have to worry about it things are different for sure. Um, but you're still parenting, just parenting differently.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The big revelation for that, that, that really hit me, um, was back in 2021. So I got COVID, I got the Delta variant and it kicked my butt, man. Um, I was probably the healthiest, the most fit I'd ever been. I think I'd like logged like 55 or 60 miles in the 10 days leading up to when I got COVID. I lost 17 pounds in 12 days. And there were honestly a few nights I thought, God, if you don't keep me like, I don't think I'm going to wake up. I don't think I have the strength to wake up. Now, fortunately, God kept me, and I'm here today to talk to you. But um, there were some nights, you know, my dad would come over. My dad had COVID. He didn't have it as bad as I did, and yeah, I think he's the one who gave it to me, to be honest with you. But uh, he he would come <laughs> yeah. over and he would make sure that you know I had food. And there was one night it was it was rough, and I was like. Hey, whenever you wake up, if you could just come to the house and just come bring me to your house, I I, I need people around me because my my wife and my three kids they were with they were in Ohio with my wife's family, and I'm glad they weren't here to get exposed to all that mess. But um, I realized then in that moment, you know, while I don't necessarily need my father every single day like I did when I was a toddler, you know, mm-hmm. when the time came for me to need a father he was still a dad and he still stepped in and he still served me and he still did what a father should do. And I realized in that moment that, you know, he's still a dad. Like I call him dad because that's what I've known him as, but he's still actively a dad. It might not require as much, like you said, but when the times do arise, like there's still a call that we have to answer as fathers always. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and something I've been talking about recently is, is that, fathering is is necessary um and it's it's there no matter who you are no matter how old you are fathering is necessary there's there's lessons right now that your dad could teach you because of his experience because yeah. of of the things that he's been through that you haven't faced yet um that are are probably priceless right like that you yeah. couldn't learn any other way other than or you probably wouldn't hear any other way other than the way that he could say it to you or the way that he could show you and so it, it, it's 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 a never ending uh it, it's uh what do what they call it the infinite game right like there's yeah. no halftime there's no fourth quarter it is it is yeah. an infinite game and you're playing that game your entire life you're always trying to be the father you want to be or that your kids need i guess probably a better way to right say it.
0: yeah that's 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 the way that i like to put it that we're we're aiming to be the dad that our children need us to be and I like I like that terminology a lot better than trying to be a good dad, because you mm-hmm. can say I want to be a good dad, but what does that actually look like? There's not just a universal term and definition to what it is to be a good dad. It, there's not a one size fits all when it comes to that, because your family is a lot different than my family. Some people have children with autism. Some people have children who don't have that. You can't parent a child with autism the same way you parent a child who doesn't have autism. There's just so many different dynamics that go into it. So if you think, you know what, you know, I reached the definition of good dad because I make a lot of money. I take my kids on trip. I'm at the dinner table every night. You know, if you miss that conversation that your teenage daughter needs you to have where she just cries and you're just there and you weren't there for that moment, are you a good dad? If your kids don't think you're a good dad, can you still say that you're a good dad? And that's, that's the reason I don't really like the term. It's, it's not something that we get to measure. We don't get to determine right. if we are a good dad. That's not up to us. Our wife can weigh in a little bit on the conversation, but our kids are ultimately the ones who get to determine whether or not we were the dad that they needed us to be. And there's a little bit of a caveat to that too. And it can make that, you know, be a little difficult. One is sometimes being the dad that our kids need us to be, that requires us to be someone that we're not, that requires us to grow, that requires us to develop ourselves so that we can be that person And then the other side of that coin is sometimes what our kids need us to be is not what they want us to be. If our kids want to do particular things and they have a particular agenda, we need to be the voice that's more than a friend that steps in and says, hey, this is a a bad idea. It's kind of a knucklehead thing you're doing here. You might want to reconsider. And so, yeah, being a dad is fun, but there's also work that goes into it. There's also some disciplines that have to be applied to it and some intentionality. And it's like you, like, like you talked about, like, yes, there are things that I know my dad could teach me that no one else could teach me. He's just ahead of the curve. He's always ahead of the game. This is why I like to say that part of our mission is to help our kids be a part of God's mission in a greater capacity than ourselves. Like we are aiming to further build that next generation we're preparing the way as, as leaders. And part of leadership is, yeah, you're serving them and you're being with them, but you're also out front. You're also going to the places that you want them to go before they get there. And you're passing on that experience. Like, Hey, when you get to this place, don't do this, try it this way. I've been there. I've done that. Here's the t-shirt. Now you can navigate it a lot better. Okay. And so I th- I think biblically that's even a model for us because you know, we hear the language of John the Baptist. He was preparing the way for Jesus. But even Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples, he tells them, you're going to go and you're going to do greater things than I'm doing. He was trying to equip and to prepare them to do greater things than he did, too. And so I think uh-huh. that that's an element of, le- of leaving a legacy as fathers is we want to pour into them, be what they need so that we can truly equip them to be a part of God's mission in a greater way than we've been able to do it. We want them to step into new terrain and new territory that we've not yet explored. And we want to pass all the wisdom that we can onto them by leading the way and kind of, you know, being that front line that takes the majority of the damage, if you will.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the infantry or, or the, the you know, like, we're like the Marines, right? We get out there first and, yeah. and we fight those battles right. for them to set the right. table for them to come in and, and, you know, finish things off or, or explore further. Right. Like, yeah. if you want to see further, you gotta you gotta get on the shoulders of giants. And sometimes we're the giant and uh, yeah, and sometimes that's tough. That's tough for, for a lot of us to, to bear. Right. It's like you said, sometimes oh, yeah. it's not who we are. And we have to be somebody that we're not in order to be what they need. And that's difficult. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it definitely takes some, some mindfulness and it takes some courage. Um, and and sometimes it it takes us doing what we don't want to do. And I think that part is hard because as a, as a parent, there's like these dynamics that we want to keep where like there's levels of respect and like, I'm the dad and you're going to do what I say. And I'm going to, this is the way I'm going to parent you. But sometimes that's not it. Sometimes you have to be kind of like, you kind of have to take a back seat to your own, wants and needs and desires and be like, okay, this is what my family needs from me. Right. Ah, All right. I'm going to go do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it requires a good dose of humility too, because our pride as men, we all have, we all have pride. Like we like Mm -hmm. what we can do. We like what we can accomplish. It makes us, it makes us feel good. Uh, I'm writing a little book right now for men expecting to become fathers. And I have this little portion where I I talk a little bit about the sense of pride that we have, but anytime we build something great or we do something awesome, we make these unique customizations. If the conversation comes up like, Hey, that looks really cool. Like we can't help ourselves except to say, yep, I did it myself. Like we, we like, we like to take credit for things exclusively like we did it. And so we we all have this pride and you know, it's, it's like, it's like a two headed dragon, like part of it's okay. And the other part of it's not, but if we don't have the humility, to say, you know what, the way that I do things might not be the right way. Maybe I need to revisit Mm -hmm. this. Uh, Maybe, maybe I need to do, I I do need to improve in this area. Maybe I don't know as much as I think I know. Um, It's, it reminds me. So we had this feud, I'll call it with, with my, my, my mom and dad with car seats, with the kids, because the technology has changed. The advancements have changed. So, how long they kept me in a car seat is shorter than how long we'll keep our kids in the car seats and right. the type of car seats that I was in was totally different than the car seats that we have today. And my dad's like, well, you know, you didn't die. You're still here. Like we could still do it the way that we did it and everything will be okay. I was like, yeah, I understand that, but this is the way that it has to be. Like, this is the way that we're going to do it. Now, fortunately, and thankfully my father was like, am okay, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to respect that. I'm going to respect the boundary. I'm going to swallow my pride on, you know, I know this way works, but like, I'm going to, I'm going to choose to do it this way because it better serves you. And I think, I think that's something that we have to be able to do as dads. Like you were mentioning, we've got to swallow our pride. We've got to make those changes because it's, it's not always about us. And we don't always have, we don't always have the best way forward there's that old, old expression that you often hear parents use. It's my way or the highway. Well, sometimes the highway might actually be a better option. We're just not, we're we're not, you know, mindful of that because I think about what the Bible says. It says it's not in man to direct his own path. So if we don't even have it within us to direct our own path, why do we think we have it within us to direct our kids path? Like we don't know everything that they go through. We don't see everything that they see. We don't think everything that they think but we think we can step into their life when ours is in shambles and we can just say, yeah, you're going to do it this way. I, right. I think that's one of those things where we've got to recognize, okay, my responsibility is to lead them is to serve them, to get them in a good direction. And then I'm going to allow God to work with him, to define that path and take them the rest of the way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that that's like uh like just alignment in general, like as, as the father, as the leader that we need to get in alignment with, with our leader, with, with God in order to be able to lead them down the right way. Cause if we, if we don't know ourselves how we're supposed to be going, um, then how do we lead them? You know, yeah, what I'm no, uh,
0: absolutely. I I think, I think that has to be the case. You know, I think what the Bible says, it says that, you know, there's none good, but God. So any of the goodness that we think that we have, is in comparison to what God views goodness as, it's it's not even considered good. It's like Isaiah talks about all of our righteousness. It's like filthy rags. Now, what we often don't catch is that the reference to filthy rags is talking about the rags that the women would use when they were on their cycle. And so, yeah, so basically our yeah. goodness is basically equated to a used tampon. Like that. that's, that's what God thinks about our goodness. So I think Outside of God, when we try to do things good, from time to time, I think occasionally people will do good things, but overall, I think we're going to miss the mark. And I think the neat thing about having that alignment with God is, you know, when we pray and when we worship, we'll say things about God like, you know, he's worthy or he is holy or he is good. And what we often don't realize is that God is so gracious to us that he makes those same declarations back to us, even though we're not Mm. qualified for those things. He makes them back to us. We're worthy because he says that we're mm-hmm. worthy. So we get to participate in this great inheritance. We're holy because he says, be holy. It's it's not just a command to be holy for I am holy. It's also a, a declaration that because you're in a relationship with me, I say that you're holy. And so God says these wonderful things back to us. So when we're in that relationship with God, then we can actually go out and do things that are good and noble in the eyes of God. And I think about the two greatest commandments that when Jesus was asked, you know, what's the greatest commandment? He gives two. He says, you have to love God and then you have to love your neighbor. I don't think we're truly capable of loving our neighbor the right way if we don't first love God. Because what happens when we love God is we get this increased value of who we are as individuals. You know, I can look at my life and just think of me and of myself and, I can see the mistakes and I can see all the scars and I can see all the dumb things that I have done. But within my relationship with God, God says, you know what? I I forgive that. I give you grace that's sufficient for all of those things. And so now I have a greater value of myself because I see myself the way that God sees me. So when I have to love my neighbor as myself, now I love them on a totally different level than I would if I didn't have God in my life to see. I mean, some people think that they're meaningless, So how do you think they're going to love other people? Probably not very good. But when you have that relationship with God and you start there and you realize, you know what, God gives me this great sense of worth and this great sense of value. I I love myself more now than I would have without God. So now I'm going to love my neighbor. I'm going to love my wife. I'm going to love my kids in a greater capacity than I would have before. So yeah, I think without without that relationship with God, without that knowledge of the Bible, too. I don't, I don't think we're going to do right in those relationships as a husband and as a father. I mean, we get direction, we get instruction on how to do that. There's biblical wisdom that guides us with that. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5 tells us that we have to love our wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself mm-hmm. for it. I know as husbands, we always like to go to the next verse where it talks about wives submit yourself to your husband. Like we we love to say that, we love to throw that in their face, and people will probably gripe and complain, like you know my wife doesn't submit to me. And I always want to throw that conversation back to them, like are you loving them the way that Christ loved the church and gave him gave his whole self, like didn't hold anything back? Are you doing that? Well, no. Well, then don't don't skip ahead and complain because she's not submitting the way that you think she should. You're not doing what you what you're supposed to be doing first and even as fathers going back to kind of what we talked about a little bit earlier, you know, we're not instructed to raise them in our image. We're instructed to bring them up in the ways and admonition of the Lord. And that's a big, that's a big thing that I think is a hurdle for fathers is, you know, we look at our children and in a way we, we do see ourselves because they come from us, but Mm -hmm. we're not supposed to raise them to be like us, to be in our image we're disciples and we're we're raising other disciples to be followers of Christ to bear his image and not our own and that can be especially difficult i think with sons in general because you know my son is my pride and joy i love my girls but there's just something different as a father having a boy because you see like where you were and what you've gone through and what maybe could have been and there's always that sense of man i could live vicariously through my kid i can make them what i never was and that's not what we're supposed to do. What we're supposed right. to do is raise them in his image and pray and seek God and say, you know, how should I raise my son? How can I best serve him? How can I perceive his talents and his abilities and help him go down a path where he's going to be able to serve other people and be a part of God's mission with his skill set that he has? Because as much as I love to play basketball, Every one of my wife's side of the family, all the men are 6'4 and up. Like I know that my son is going to be a giant one day. I know he's going to have the stature to play ball on a high level. And as much as I would love to pour into him everything that I know and teach him and get him involved in basketball, he loves soccer. But what he loves more than anything else is science, like geology and geography and oceanography and entomology. It's just like bugs and lizards and sea creatures and rocks that boy loves that stuff more than anything else and as much as i don't have an interest in that because he does i have to as his dad figure out how can i raise him in the image of god and build on his interests and build on his passions as his father that's what we have to do and that's not always easy
1: yeah yeah it's it's uh it's interesting when you're when you're leading and fathering through faith that you are raising your son or daughter but you're also raising your brother or sister in christ like it's it, it's an yeah. interesting dynamic right is because you right. want them just just naturally right because they look like you and like you say you see the similarities and they grow up in your household and you have this this really close touch point to them and you want for them like you said all the things that you know maybe you wish you had or like you know i, I got all this knowledge about hoop man i could really teach you the game but but they, 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 you have to kind of like pull yourself back, and then just really, just like you said, be interested in the things that they're interested in, because you're growing. You're not growing a mini me, right? You're you're yeah. building up a brother or a sister in mm-hmm. in the same mission of, of glorifying God and 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 spreading the word and and doing all those things, and so. It, that part is tough, man. I'll be completely honest. Is this is it's one of those things where you you have to again, you have to put yourself aside and and really, you know, really focus in on what the what the actual purpose is, and not yeah. what you want to do.
0: You know, right? It's tough, but I think you share something that's really really good for us to keep in mind, and that is yeah, we're raising our kids and we're raising these disciples, but in doing that, we're also raising brothers and sisters in the faith. And I think that's really good for us to keep in mind, because if you actually think about how you relate to and function with other people, you were probably a lot more intentional on making sure that you were kind and good to other people. Like We care Mm -hmm. about impressions. We care about relationships. We care about rapport and reputation. And all those things are built and established on having good, kind, consistent and faithful relationships with our brothers and sisters in the faith. I mean, you don't want to go to church where everyone hates you because you tell them to sit down and shut up Mm -hmm. because they're bothering you. So you treat them differently. And when you have that perspective of, hold on a second, I'm not just raising my son or daughter. I'm actually raising someone who's a you know, they're, they're with me on this faith walk and they're with me in this faith journey. I should treat them a little bit different. And that, that plays into so many other things, even, even with respect. And I I think this is a good thing that is really good for us to learn with respect is oftentimes as dads, we think that because we're the dad, that we just deserve respect. And while there is some that is due because of Mm -hmm. our position, what's the best way to get respect from people? It's to earn it. It's always to do things that are respectable and just organically earn that respect. We should do that with our kids too. We should live respectably, res- respectably and we should earn their respect with the way that we conduct ourselves. We shouldn't just demand it because if we demand it, it's going to be short term. It's going to be short lived. When they're out of the house, they're going to drop the respect because they don't need to have it anymore because they're not under our rule and under our reign. But if we earn it and we establish it the right way, it will last forever. And so I think it's really important to have that perspective of my kids are also people. How would I treat people? How would I talk to people? Mm. What would, would, I do this if I was talking to someone else? When I, when I say this the same way, I think, I think it's really important to have that perspective that you mentioned. Of, these are also brothers and sisters in Christ. These are also other people. Like how do I conduct myself with people? How to conduct myself that much more with my kids, not the other way around.
1: Yeah. Is this one of the things that I, I really like about doing the podcast and, and like trying to build up my myself as a father and as a man is me and my wife were, were literally just talking about this uh, maybe a week ago. Um, she's like, you know, you go out of the house and you're so nice and you're so kind and everybody like loves you and, and you know, you're know you all nice to everybody and. You're shaking hands and kissing babies like you're on a, on a campaign trail and then you come yeah. home and sometimes <laughs> you're just like you're mean and you're you're angry and you're frustrated. And I'm like, I don't feel like that, but I know that it's possible. I know that I know it happens sometimes. Right. And so, yeah. like you said earlier, just because I have a fatherhood podcast doesn't mean I'm perfect by any means. at fatherhood, I'm working on things. And this is one of the things I'm working on when I'm outside yeah. the house. I definitely do go a little bit above and beyond to make sure that i'm presenting myself as as the man that i say that i am right and so i'm I'm doing all these things to make sure that that image is upheld and when i come home i'm like i'm still that but then also i have to be like i have to sometimes do be the disciplinarian so that requires me to be a little i can't be the nice I, it's harder to be the nice disciplinarian you know or sure. or if something happens yeah uh, you know, just from being out in the world, the day was, was a frustrating day. And so I come home and I'm not in my, I'm not my best self. And, and so that comes off as like, you're, you're mean in the house. I'm like, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I just, I'm tired. Like, I'd rather just, I don't want to spend time with everybody. And so I'm forcing myself to do this, but then I'm also in the same time, like struggling with, I need to go sit down somewhere. Um, and so it is, it is, it is definitely, um, work as you mentioned there are things that we have yeah. to do and not negative like when we say work it's not like it, it's not something that i don't want to do um i definitely want to be better in that way and and that's what i said like i love having these conversations because it was just me sitting with it right and trying to figure out how i'm yeah. going to fix it and now I'm, I'm talking to you and i'm hearing some different things and i'm like i'm oh, thinking about oh man there's some different ways i can handle it all right I can do this, right? Yeah. Because it's not just, yeah. it's not just me sitting with myself in it. It's, it's, you know, okay, maybe I, maybe I can, I can lean a little bit more into my faith and helping me with, with fixing this thing instead of trying to do it. I'm leaning into my own understanding, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. and that's always going to be an issue. Um, and so I, again, I appreciate, I appreciate all this commentary, but that, that specific part right there is, is something that yeah. I know I'm going to take away from this and, and, and work on to be better.
0: Yeah, well I appreciate that. And I think, you know, leaning into your faith, but also leaning into community, there's a couple of things that I'd like to say. Um one, I think it's great that you actually had the conversation with your wife. I think I'm the same as every other husband you know, when our wives talk to us and they give us their input and their, and their advice, we often just kind of want to say like, no, it's, that's not true. Like, you don't, you don't know me. Like I know we share a bed, but you don't know me. Like you, you don't see the inner workings. It's, I think it's that, that, that pride kind of rises up or like, no, but I got to the place where I realized, you know what, my wife's not wrong. Like she sees things from a different perspective and that is, that's the perspective that we really need to see and open up to if we are going to grow uh, my pastor is the one that I heard this from, and I think it's great information, but he talks about there's three types of information that we can use um, for ourselves. He's like, you know, there's the stuff that we know about ourselves that everybody else knows. So, you know, for example, uh, I play, I play the keyboard and I would say I'm mediocre at best, but people will come up and be like, oh, you did such a good job on that song or whatever like that. So it's like, yeah, I know I'm all right at the keyboard and other people can see that too. So that's, that's piece number one. And the second piece is the things that I know about myself that other people's, other people might not know about me. So like, I know how much work I put into the podcast. I know how much work I I do on the back end of things. Other people don't see that and they don't know it and they might not appreciate it, but I know that. And then the third piece of information is flipped. It's what everyone else knows about me that I don't recognize about myself. And so, you know, in the sense of, you know, you know, I, I do go out and I do try to hold up this this persona and I do try to be the person that I say that I am. And then I get home and, you know, maybe, maybe I'm not quite the same. Like maybe I don't have the same passion with my kids, and my wife, as I do out and about. And my wife told me that. Okay, maybe that's a perspective that I really need to take to heart. And so I think it's good for all of us as men in any capacity, as a husband, as a father, professional, whatever it is, being open to receiving that third piece of information, the stuff that people perceive and know about us that maybe we don't recognize about ourselves. Maybe I'm a jerk when I talk to people. Like maybe my sarcasm is is more of a jerk than it is sarcasm because I have a dry sense of humor sometimes. If my wife's like, "Hey, you're kind of a jerk," like you know, you, you might want to pull it in a little bit. Okay, M- maybe maybe it does come off the wrong way. Maybe I do need to reform my humor a little bit. Like take that to heart. But the second thing that I think is good is community. So often I think as men, going back to that sense of pride that we have, too often we think I just need to get alone and I just need to pull my senses together. I need to get everything. I I need to just have some me time to take care of me and my things. I don't think that that's wrong, but I think that that is rarely the answer. I think that is, and, and if, and if it is needed, it's needed in a, in a small dose. It's not needed as in like, Hey, I need a whole weekend away, or Hey, I need you to take the kids to your mom's house. Give me a week at the house. Just, just let me be alone because when we're alone and when we're isolated, this is probably when we do some of our worst thinking. Um I think it was in 2019, the university of Chicago put out some research that, The effects of loneliness and isolation were germane to those of smoking and hypertension. So, being alone, being isolated, doesn't do good for us. And the other thing is mentally what it does to us. So, I think about the story of Elijah. You've ever gone to church Sunday school, like you've heard about Elijah. Like he's a big deal, right? He's like the biggest baddest prophet that that we we read about in the Bible. But his story starts in First Kings seventeen, and you know when we first hear his story. It's important to note that he always has a servant with him. Like He's never alone. He always has a servant with him, but he says it's not going to rain. And then he and a servant spend that span of time with a widow and her son. So he's not alone. After that, he's like, okay, it's time to go talk to King Ahab. On the way there, he runs into Obadiah, basically a brother in the faith. So he's got support. He's got community. He goes to Ahab, and then this is when we see... The story that we all know about. This is when they go to Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal do their best to rain fire down from heaven to consume the sacrifice. No luck. Elijah gets up there and he stacks all the odds against him. He just like douses everything in water. And then right. first try, boom, fire falls from heaven. He kills all 450 prophets of Baal and he just makes a spectacle of them. After this, he gets word that Jezebel wants to kill him. So now that he's got some bad news coming, he views this as, this is my problem that I have to deal with. And here's where he makes his mistake. He travels to a place called Beersheba in Judah. He leaves his servant there, and he goes a whole day into the wilderness. He's alone. He's isolated. He's got this problem that he thinks he needs to fix, and it's in this place of isolation that he prays to God, and he says, God, just go ahead and take my life. It's in that place of isolation where he doesn't see value in himself, value in the things that he's done meaning in who he is or purpose and what he can do. He's just like, God, just going to end it. Like, I'm here, I'm alone. And what happens is when we isolate ourselves too much, we let our thoughts run rampant and we start to think negative. We start to think dark things. We start to get stressed even more, depressed even more, because we think this is my burden to bear. And that's not always the case. And I think it's really important when we know that, we finish the story and we realize how we need to be with our other brothers and our other friends that we have in our community. So God tells Elijah, I want you to go and I want you to find this man named Elisha, and I want him to be your servant. So that happens, and Elisha follows Elijah. And when it's Elijah's last day, he knows that this is it, like this is my last day on earth. It all comes to an end right here. He tries to do the same thing with Elijah that he did with the first servant. Three times he tries to leave him behind. Just let me go and do this alone. All three times, Elijah says, I will not leave you. He sticks with him all throughout it. Now, I think it's really important to note that Elijah, even though Elijah gets a double portion and does all these great things, Elijah is the one that we all talk about. He's the one that we still remember. He's the one who's viewed as the greatest and the strongest. But I think it's really important for us to know as men in our friendships and within our communities that the ones who are the strongest can often be the ones who are the weakest when no one sees them, when they are alone, when they are just by themselves with themselves. And I think it's really important for us to have that mentality as a friend and as a brother to say, you know what, I'm here for you. I know you're further along than I am, but however I can help, just know that I support you and know that I'm with you. Um, we do a lot more in community than we do by ourselves and that's a really it's a hard thing i think for men because again we take pride in being able to do it by ourselves right. but there really is strength in number in, in numbers community it is the way to go and it's it's the way that we have to proceed if we're going to grow and if we're ultimately going to be the dads that our kids need us to be
1: yeah yeah I, you know what i saw somewhere um uh, where I don't know the percentages. I don't remember the percentages, but they were talking about just men and, and the number of friends that they have. And I think on average, the average man has like one friend or none. Like it was just, it was like a, it wasn't even a full friend. It was like a point, point 0.7 friends. You know what I'm saying? It was like, I was like, yeah. and, and then I start to think like, I have I have multiple friends. I have a group of friends, but it's all intentional. You know, it's not yeah. like, like these guys are my friends because I'm actively like pursuing these relationships and we all are kind of, you know, depending on each other and working on each other and encouraging each other. And, and then right. like, I, like you mentioned community, like trying to build a community for fathers and trying to have these interactions and, and this accountability and this encouragement and all these things. But I think a lot of guys, like you said, it's just, you know, the lone wolf mentality. I can figure it out. I can get it done. These are my problems. Uh, let me, let me, give me some time to think about it and I'm going to figure it out. And, and that's where a lot of us struggle is we've been conditioned to do it on our own. We've been conditioned not to ask for help. We've been conditioned to, uh, to man up or to be tough or to whatever. Um, when the reality is, is, is in most cases, in almost every case, like there's not really any situation where anybody has done it on their own right where somebody right. is self-made or whatever you want to call it like that that isn't really a thing you know you may yeah. be the one that gets the praise for it or you may be the one that's at the, the top of it um but even even the the mvp had you know he's the most valuable player but he had support and supporting right. cast he had other people there that helped him along the way and i think that's important for us to realize is right. that we do need that support we do need the accountability we do need the encouragement and we do need sometimes just somebody to be like, yeah, you, this is this is what it is. Like you are going to have to go right. through that and let's go through it. Though I've been through it, he's been through it. Like it, it's it's possible. It's tough right now, but you can make it to the other side.
0: Right. I th- yeah, I think that's great advice. Um if anyone was going to do it by themselves, it would have been Jesus. And even he mm-hmm. chose to surround himself. You know, he had multitudes who followed him. He had a group of 120, a group of 70, a group of 12. He had three that were really close to him. And then he had John who he loved It's just like he had Mm -hmm. a tight knit circle of friends and he surrounded himself with other people. He didn't need to, it was God in the flesh. I mean, (laughs) he he didn't need other people. Right. But he still chose to have people. I think because he's modeling to us, like this is the way that it's supposed to be. Loneliness is never a good thing. It's like, even in the beginning, you know, God looks at Adam and he's like, it's not good that man should be alone. God God knew that, you know, Adam didn't just have the animals. He had God. Like Adam walked with God and had this relationship with God. And God still said he's alone because he doesn't have someone right. like him living this life with him. And so, like, we we've got to have people. Trying to do it right. the Lone Ranger style, it's never gonna work and it's gonna lead to a lot of frustration.
1: Yeah, yeah. The, the, there's a power in shared experiences. um yeah. You know, either either preventing you from making the same mistake, like you don't have to make that mistake because I already made it. Like this yeah. is what happened. This is how I overcame. This is what I did. Um, or you know, I, I used to feel the same way you felt. You know, but yeah. what I realized was, and just the power of that conversation, um, or just seeing it, right? Like it may not even be the, in conversation. It may just me, me. We're in, we're in proximity, and I see you uh we just say we're talking about fatherhood i just see you being present in your in your children's lives i just see the way you love on your wife i see or i hear the way you talk about your family and i'm like that sounds really good like i I really would like to have that for myself and now i can start working towards being that and and pursuing that or maybe i just tap you on the shoulder hey man look i i don't know you you don't know me but i just love the way that you're loving on your wife man what is it like how, how are you doing that like what is what is it that 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 you're thinking, that you're doing, that you're saying, that's reinforcing that, that thing. Um, and that's awkward, but I've done that before, you know, <laughs> <laughs> more power to, <team>. hey, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a, that's a weird conversation. It, it starts off really weird. Don't make me wrong. It, yeah. it started off like that, but it's really weird at first because it, it obviously takes you aback if you hear that from somebody. Right. But it turned into like a, just a, a regular conversation after that, you know, and it was that's almost cool. like this. Where we're just talking about how to, how do you love somebody? regardless you know yeah. and just kind of being being present and being available and being in those moments um and i think that's important and it's something that we have to do a better job of as as fathers and as leaders because our children are also seeing when we feel like we have to be alone they see the way dad handles things is alone so then they want to be alone so when you ask them hey what's going on and they say nothing it's because they're trying to figure it out on their own because they see you figuring it out on your yeah. own and they're not equipped with the tools or the experience that you have to try to deal with some of these things. And so you're putting them at a disadvantage by not showing them that, you know, there's ways to find solutions through other people and with other people.
0: Yeah, I think that's really good. And and that's one of the things that we got to be super mindful of is the things that we do, our habits, what we model to our kids, because they will extract a lot more out of what we do then we sometimes intend for them to extract they'll see things in a different way i was thinking the other day just you know about with kids and their finances you know there's so many people who struggle financially and they wonder why and i i was i was talking to my wife about this i think you know if all we do is spend money out to eat and spend money constantly buying stuff like what do you think our kids are going to do Do you think that they're gonna be like, no, I'm just gonna save all my money, or they're gonna think, you know what, we don't we didn't cook growing up, so let's just go out to eat. So this is just what we're gonna do. Or, you know, my my mom always had to buy a new dress, or my dad always had to get a new pair of shoes, or whatever it is that he liked. Like maybe I'm just supposed to buy stuff. Maybe, maybe that's that's how I'm supposed to live. And if I can't live to that standard, then I'm not living. And so, you know, I am somewhat minimalistic. I'm not like extreme by any stretch of the imagination. But I just think it's one of those things, even in that regard, to be mindful of. Like, well, how often do we go out to eat? Do we go out to eat so much that our kids are going to think that this is what they're supposed to do? Or how much do we actually buy? Like, how often are we bringing new things into the house? Are our kids going to look at all the stuff that we're buying and think, man, like, if you're not getting new stuff all the time, you're not doing it right. Like, how are we going to set them up financially just with their habits by the things that we do? So the the things that we do, We have to do the hard work. And this is why I don't like, I don't like, you know, do these three steps and you'll be the perfect dad and have the perfect family. Like that doesn't work. We have to do the homework and we actually have to analyze ourselves and say, you know, what are my habits? How do I spend my money? What do I buy all the time? Like, what is it that I'm actually doing? Like actually break down your day and figure it out and think, how will a kid perceive this? Like what will they think that they need to do based off what they're seeing dad do? That's that's the hard work that we have to do. And if we're not willing to do it, then we can't expect the change to actually manifest itself in our kids. Like we, again, we're leaders. We got to lead the way. We got to show them that it was wrong. This is the right way to go about things. Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set you up to do better by showing you what's right. Even though I didn't do it until I was, you know, 25, 35, 45, I'm showing you now. So see what I do. And they will. they will, they'll watch us because they love us even though it doesn't make sense for them to love us. They do. And that's a, it's a remarkable thing. Uh, but we've got to be mindful of our, our habits and what we're modeling to them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for
0: sure. For sure.
1: And, and, and uh, they look up to us, right? Like they, they are trying, I'm my kid's hero, yeah. right? Like we're, we're, I didn't do anything to deserve it. Right. Like I didn't, I just, i'm just dad right i didn't i didn't save the city from (laughs) from a villain i didn't i didn't do any of that stuff right um i I can't jump over buildings i can't fly i can't do any of the superhero stuff but to them you know i am i am the hero right and they are they are so dependent on me being their hero um and being the role model and being the, the 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 figure that they look for in men or that they expect out of a man. And so sometimes that's a, that's a heavy, a heavy uh, burden, not burden. It's not a burden at all, but sometimes that's heavy. It weighs heavy on us because we have a standard that we've created for ourselves and that we want to continue to uphold. But the reality is, is that it's worth it, right? It is definitely worth, it's worth living up to that standard. It's worth trying to be a hero, but also being humble and also having humility and also being honest about yeah. the fact that I'm not, I am not a hero. Like I'm not Superman. Maybe I'm one of the other heroes, one of the other ones that has flaws. Like it's, maybe I'm like Batman, you know, I'm like Batman, yeah. you know, I, like I don't really have any superpowers, but I can make right. some stuff happen if I need to. Uh, yeah. Like I, maybe I'm one of those kind of heroes, but um, that part of it is is real, right? Because sometimes yeah. when, we, when we think of ourselves as the hero of our, of our child's lives, we don't allow them to see us struggle. We don't allow them to see us as anything other than a hero. But the reality is they need to see that part, too, because that's real and that's really who we are. And that teaches them how to handle not being perfect, not being um, not living up to the necessary expectations that people may have for them. But how do we overcome that? How do we deal with that? And how do we move forward?
0: Right. And if they never see you deal with it, then they're not going to have a clue on how to deal with it when it comes their way. Cause that's the thing. It's like, we're all imperfect. We're all flawed and broken. We all have these trials that we have to face and all sorts of obstacles that we have to overcome. Like no person Mm -hmm. is excused from those things and our kids will go down similar paths and they will have those same hardships. And if they never saw, you know, dad deal with getting laid off, what happens to them, well, how are they gonna do it? If if they never have to, you know, name it, whatever it is, whatever it is that you've gone through that you've just tried to keep a secret and hide from your kids, like if they follow in your steps and they do the same thing, they're not gonna have an example to follow. And I, I think I think it's really important for us to want our kids to come and seek our sage counsel and our wisdom when they go through things. I think like that's huge for me. Like I make sure that when, when my kids do particular things, okay, here's an example. So yesterday my son who was in first grade came home. This is like the second week of first grade for him. He said, Hey dad, he's like, some kids were talking about the F word today. And I was like, hold the phones, buddy. I was like, come to my room. Let's have a conversation. It was like, you know, and so I had to have this talk with him. Like I wasn't, I didn't go in there and be like, we don't say this and you're not going to do this. And you know, run." I had a conversation with him like he was a person. I was like, there are particular words that people use. We choose not use those words. Like he, what he said specifically is that his his friends told him that when you, when you raise your middle finger at someone, it means the F word. And he was like, I don't even know what the F word is. I was like, buddy, you don't need to know what it is. It's like, you'll figure it out soon enough. Like, like it'll happen. Like people will actually start to say it. I said, but we choose not to say it. It's so like we choose to do things that are good. And if it's a bad word, it's not going to do any good. So I had a conversation with him like he was an adult, like he was a person. And I obviously did my best to explain it in the terms that a six, almost seven-year-old would understand. But like, we have to have that open communication with our kids because when he comes home in 10 years and something really bad has happened, I don't want him to hide it from yeah. me. I want him to come to me so that I can help him. And I think I think that's really important. When we're vulnerable and we're transparent, we're open with our kids, they reciprocate that back to us. And I think that's what we want as dads.
1: Yeah, 100%. I 100% agree. And I think if you would have handled it uh, and kind of like you said a second ago, if you would have been like, no, we don't say that. We don't do that. Then the next time something like that comes up, he's like, no, I don't really like how dad reacted. So I'm just yeah. going gonna, gonna to exactly. handle it on my own.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I also like, I mean, I even told him, I said, his name's Frankie. I said, Frankie, I know that as a kid, it's fun to do the things you're not supposed to do. Like when mommy and daddy say, don't do this. Like there's just something that tempts you to just go and do it. Like, I know that you feel that way. And so like I prefaced the conversation with that, you know, and I, I think we just have to be smart. We have to use some wisdom and we have to be in control of ourselves. If we're not in control of ourselves when we're trying to discipline our kids, which I would view that as discipline. I don't view discipline as do I spank your kids or do you not spank your kids? Discipline is disciplining. So we're, we're disciplining the good and the bad. So like him coming to me is a good thing. So I made sure he know that he knew you, you've done a good thing in in sharing this with dad. Like, thank you for doing this. It's really important that we just choose our words wisely. Now I wasn't perfect at this every time. One of the things that I know I fell into was forecasting, which is a, which is a bad thing to do with your kids. And what I mean by forecasting is when my five-year-old would come home and say something, I would tell him like, if you do this now, when you're 15, you'll look at the it'll look like this. And you're 25, you'll be doing these things. And when you're an old man, you'll be looking back in your life thinking, why did I make these mistakes? Like he doesn't need to know what the next 85 years of his life is going to look like. Like that doesn't help him. Like I have to address it in a, much smaller direct way and so like i I've cut on these things i'm getting better like I'm not perfect but I'm trying to be a better dad every day as I like to say in the podcast uh, but again if if we can be intentional about opening up modeling things to our kids like you talked about when we go through our hardships and our trials that's one of the best things that we can do because they'll see it and they'll know hey dad went through that maybe dad can help me especially if we're intentional about Communication with them, and we're open. We're like, hey, you talk to us about anything, and we don't react like we're a lunatic when they do. Like, <laughs> like that—that's that's the key too. Like we gotta we gotta suppress that that reaction, and we need to use wisdom and actually respond. So that I think that's the way forward with communication.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. I, I like I like where we're at right now. We're kind of kind of passing on some some advice for for fathers, just and. in in conversation right and yeah so you mentioned you mentioned your podcast and and some of the things you said in your podcast if if you were to and this is where we kind of start to wrap up but i'm i'm I, i can go and we can do this forever um if you were to final episode final episode of the podcast uh you obviously already have a message that you're you're putting out there for fathers but this is the the final episode and you're going to sign off. This is your mic drop moment. Um, what do you want that that episode to be about? What do you want fathers to hear from you?
0: Mm. Yeah, it's a, that's a, it's a, it's a tall order to respond to. Um, mm. Honestly, when I think about myself, I think about, well, yes, I am imperfect and yes, I have a lot of growing to do and I have a lot of learning to do. I don't think I could do it without God and I couldn't do it without the Bible. And I think most of the stuff that I have extracted and used for fatherhood comes from the Bible. I mean, this, this, this is a guide for us and it helps us. It's literally the word of God speaking to us. So if I was going to give dads any advice, any final message, like I'm out of the picture, this podcast is done. Here's where you go from here. I'm I'm going to direct them to the source of everything. I'm going I'm going to point them back to God and I'm going to point them back to the Bible and I'm going to say if you don't have a relationship and you're not reading the Bible every day like you're not you're not setting yourself up to learn how to live. I mean I think we've got to have prayer. We've got to have that communication with God. And I th- I think it's really important to to note that prayer is not always going to God in the right place at the right time with the right attitude and saying the right things. Sometimes prayer is, God, I'm going through this and I don't even see where you're at. I don't understand what you're doing. Sometimes it it can be a little accusatory. Sometimes it can be uh, laced with some anger. That's okay. I mean, if you ever read the book of Psalms, like you'll see the man after God's own heart had some pretty tough moments when he was praying that, hey, God, you're not even here. Like, you know, you're not supposed to ever forsake us, but I feel pretty forsaken. I mean, sometimes we have to have those conversations with God. That's okay. God welcomes that. And so that last piece of advice that that I would give, that if you're going to do anything to be the dad your kids need you to be, you're not going to figure that out outside of a relationship with God and His Word. Because our relationship with God is the source of, for how all of our other relationships will look like. Again, going back to what we talked about at the very beginning, like if I'm going to love my neighbor as myself, well, I don't love myself without God showing me how I ought to love me. And so mm-hmm. that's where I would point people. I'd point them back to the good book because anything, anything that, that I've extracted that I use for fatherhood to talk about fatherhood, it comes from God. It comes from the Bible. So yeah. I, know no, I know no better place to go.
1: Yeah, it is, it is the, it is in fact the, the perfect example of, of fatherhood, which is why we, you know, call God the father. It's this, this really, uh, comprehensive, uh, detailed example of what fathering is, um, what being a son or a daughter is. Like it, it it's so full and rich of all these, these different stories and, things that we could draw from. Um, so that's great, man. That was a great, yeah. great last episode. But you know what? That one was too good. We got to bring <laughs> you back for for one more. Look, hey, look, you can't. You, you dropped the mic. We picked it back up. Look, we need one more episode for you from you. But but this one's a private episode. Like, not everybody's going to get to hear it. I think only three people are going to get to hear it. Yeah. Um, and those are your children. Uh, what do you want them to hear?
0: I think I'd tell them the same thing, to be honest with you. I think his dad's. One of the best things that we can do, and this is one of the things that I try so hard to do, because I realize that I am not going to be around forever. I know that someday I'll kick the bucket, and my kids will live on, and they won't have daddy to go to, they won't have me to consult with, but they will always have God. And that's one of the things that my wife and I have tried so hard to drill into our kids is how to pray like some we've written down so many different prayers that my son specifically has prayed just because he's the oldest and he gets a little bit more. But I mean, his sincerity when he prays, I mean, he'll he'll pray about things that I would never pray about, like bugs, not getting crushed and stuff like that. Like he cares about those little things, but the fact that he'll say those things that he's comfortable saying like what he feels and what he thinks and what actually matters to him when he's 16 the things that will matter to him won't be bugs getting crushed but he'll still have the confidence in bringing the things that matter to him to god and so i would want them to have something that's going to last and and that's that's their relationship with god he'll be with them every step of the way i'll be with them i'll be with them for a good majority of the journey but again I don't. I don't define the path. I don't direct it. I take them to a certain point, and they kind of let go of my hand a little bit more, and they hold on to God's. So if they don't, mm-hmm. if they don't know that, they're going to get stuck wherever I leave them, and that's not what I would want for them. I, I'd want my kids to know, you know, God's there for you to talk to every day. And the beautiful thing about that is, God comes to us like we don't have to. Everyone talks about. There's a, there's a saying in church that goes around. It was, you don't have to get, you don't have to get good to get God. And they would say, you have to get God to get good. And I still never liked it because it still puts the burden on us to try and find God, try and get to God. And that's not what the Bible talks about. The Bible says that God seeks us, like he comes to the door and he knocks. So if you want to get good, you just have to let God get you. And I think that's, that's what I would want them to take home. Like, you know, God's pursuing you every day, open up to him. That's, that's what I'd leave them with. I pray you took something away from that conversation, but I really hope by listening to that conversation that you're now motivated to have conversations of your own. Because it's one thing to take in information. And I'm so grateful that you subscribe and listen to this podcast. And I'm grateful that you've probably purchased a copy of my book, Cut the Crap. And because you're such a stand-up individual, you probably purchased a copy of that book for someone you know who's getting ready to become a dad. But it's one thing to take in information. It's totally different to put that information into action, to apply that knowledge in your head. And you know that to be the case, just like everyone. You graduated high school or you graduated college and you thought, I know so much, I'm going to take the workforce by storm, but then you start that new job and on day one you realize there's an application inside to this that I was not necessarily prepared for. When we have conversations with dads, this is an opportunity for us to take the methods and the ideas in our heads or the practices that we're actually utilizing as fathers and to challenge them to tweak them, to learn whether or not our ideas are good or bad. You might have great ideas and you can get the affirmation you need from other dads, but your ideas might also be pretty bad. And another dad can speak to you and say, you know what? I thought that too, but I found out that it didn't work. Here's what I did instead. When we talk to each other, we help each other. We grow. And this is why we ought to utilize community. And this is why we have to remember that at the heart of community is conversation. Because if we're not talking to each other, then we're not going to grow. We're going to be stuck spinning our wheels in the same place forever. So we've got to start talking. So make sure you find some dads that you can talk to. They can be older than you, younger than you. It doesn't matter where they're at on this journey of fatherhood. You don't have to be in the exact same situation. Just start talking to other dads have those conversations, and you will be blessed, and you will grow, and you will be the dad that your kids need you to be. This is Father in Our Future, the podcast for dads. I'm Anthony Vandegrift. Thank you so much for being with me, and I hope you will join me next time. Thank you again for listening to Fathering Our Future. If this episode has served you or you believe it will serve another dad in the future, make sure that you leave a like, a comment, a review, or share this so that it can reach another dad. And so that you don't miss out on another episode, make sure you subscribe to Fathering Our Future wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, for more great content, head over to www.fatheringourfuture.com.